Sandra. I'm Olivia. And Josh. And you're listening to Our Music Oddcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the conspiracy behind the murder of Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, and I've been wanting to do this one for a really long time just because I always found, you know, everything surrounding this kind of fascinating. It seemed like a lot of it popped up, you know, really quickly after he was killed. And then also bear with me today because I'm having trouble hearing and it's going to be kind of difficult hearing Kendra. You I, deaf. You deaf. Yeah, I have a cold, but it's on like one side of my head. So it's coronavirus. Maybe it is, but yeah. I just on your ear. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's a little bit, it's just like all on that side, but I, I haven't been able to hear out of my right ear for like three days now. Going on oh, jeez. That yeah, sounds terrible. It's super weird more than anything. Well, I'm it's sitting to strange. your left, so we're good. Yeah, you're good, and I'm hoping that I can hear Kendra okay. All right. I'm, I'm on speakerphone, so. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're being safe and smart, and we're social distance recording. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so yeah. Er- Ermius Joseph... Askadam was born on August 15th, 1985. He grew up in South Central LA in the Crenshaw District to mother Angelique Smith and father, an air train immigrant, Dawit Askadam. He grew up with two siblings, an older brother, Samuel, and younger sister, Samantha. Even though his parents divorced when he was young, both parents were very involved in his life. By the age of 14, he had joined a local gang, the Roland 60s Neighborhood Crips, which was a subgroup of the larger Crips. He dropped out of high school before graduating and was actually kicked out of his house because of of everything, especially the dropping out of school. So he ended up living with a grandmother instead of, you know, typically living with his mother most of the time. He began writing his own lyrics at the age of seven due to a love of hip hop. And um, I saw, you know, in a couple different places that is one of the first bands that he really liked. Well, you know, groups was crisscross. Do you guys remember crisscross? Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. That was huge. when I was like 13. Yeah. (laughs) I was definitely in first grade. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I got their cassette tape for Christmas and I was obsessed. Like I definitely wanted to wear my jeans backwards. I was just going to ask if you wore your clothes backwards. I did not, but I'm almost certain people that I knew did. Yeah, were, I remember, you know, 13 or 12 or you whatever. know, thinking it was really entertaining when we had like backwards day at school thinking like, oh, dressing up like crisscross. But I, I don't even think I was familiar with their music. I just knew who they were because of that. Yeah, It's really funny because like, yeah, they were definitely like kids, but like, it's so funny to think about like their songs like, I miss the bus. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's been fun. Yeah. That, the song I, Jump's a classic, right? Out. Oh yeah, it definitely. What was is. that? Sorry. Uh, that hit song they had, "Jump" or whatever it's called, is like an absolute classic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like someone trying to run, but I can't run like this. Someone trying to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the Daddy Mac will make you jump, jump, jump. jump. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I could talk about them all day. Honestly, I don't have that much to go on, but just like nostalgia. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, while researching this, one of his like nicknames in the neighborhood was Thundercat, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's probably not about the TV show, but I was always a huge fan of that. So I thought it that prob- was pretty cool. Why would it not be about the TV show? I don't know. I, yeah. It didn't say that it was about the TV show, but, yeah. or cartoon, but. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, um, Nipsey was discouraged by the cost of recording, either paying for studio time or buying his own recording equipment. His very first job was shining shoes while in the sixth grade on Slauson. We're going to talk a lot about the neighborhood. So I'll, you'll hear me mention a lot Crenshaw and Slauson. He sold candy, mowed lawns, watered flowers, really whatever he could to you know make money. He bought a mic in sixth grade and used his neighbor's computer to make his first recording. And I think it was actually over like Beats of Snoops. He eventually built his own computer after reading a few books and um, buying the spare parts. He joined a local program called Watchtowers to learn how to use recording equipment in the studio, which led him to produce others' work before working on his own music. He was involved in typical gang activity, even, you know, this is even included selling drugs, and he was involved in a couple shootouts. It never said that he, like, actually shot or, or killed anybody or, you know, injured anyone gravely. And he got in a lot of fights, which, you know, the fighting and selling drugs seems like a lot of typical teenage, uh, you know, behavior. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, people that I knew. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. As he got older, he made more connections to further his music career, but also got more involved in the streets. He started making a name for himself in both areas. He dropped his first ever mixtape in 2003 called Fuck the Middleman, which he distributed himself on the streets. And I've found out from some friends what the difference between a mixtape and an album is. A mixtape, you can you know rap over someone else's beats. You, it doesn't have right. to be the ones that you created yourself, but you can also have those. And then you're going to have less songs, sometimes just three or four songs, and they're not available to buy on different platforms, unlike an album. And it's, you know, released independently, so... It's super underground, like, just passed hand-to-hand yeah. on the street, basically. At least yeah. that's what I feel it was. like there's, like, always mixtapes no. for sale at the local gas stations. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Now it's all SoundCloud, but... That's true. Back in the day. No, like, I'm obsessed with it. Like, I'll buy them every once in a while because there's, like, the most random shit. And it's, like, oh, you know, never heard of and stuff you never will hear of. Yeah. <laughs> some of it's fire, some of it's garbage, but it's worth a it's worth It's a always worth a listen. Yeah, especially, too, sometimes it seems like they're only, like, if they, sometimes just give them away, but sometimes if they're selling them, it's for pretty cheap. So, I mean, like why not? It's $3 usually, yeah. Yeah, so why not support? Back in the day, that's... dudes would just come up to me and hand, like, hey, you want, I'd be at a gas station walking around. And yeah. And dude, like a skundu would come up and just hand me his mixtape. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you see people kind of walking around selling them to you on the street. Um, he and other local rappers worked on a compilation album called The Crenshaw District Claustrophobic Mixtape, which was hosted by DJ Battlecat. He was featured on a song called Smoking That La La La. And it was put out by Claustrophobic Studios. He and friend Ron Pa and other formed a group called The Hood Unit and put out three mixtapes. He, when he was 18, he went on a very important trip with his father and brother Samuel to Eritrea, East Africa, for three months. And he actually celebrated his 19th birthday while he was there. After the trip, he formed group Slauson Boys with Cousin Capone and Baby Gooch and... He decided. Baby, baby Gooch. Yeah, that is definitely the name of the day. Yeah, <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far. Really I think that that's probably going to be barely got into it. Yeah, yeah. There were so many names too, so many people that he worked with that, that I, I just couldn't list it all and still get it to you guys in like fifteen minutes. 
Absolutely. That's totally fair. Um, He decided he wanted to star a record label with the same name, the Slauson Boys. He and brother, which sometimes I'm going to talk about his brother and call him Samuel, and sometimes um, Black Sam, which was one of his nicknames. But he and his brother Black Sam decided to invest strongly in studio equipment so he could take the next step with his career. He then refer- recorded his first Lawson Boys mixtape in 2005, and that wasn't with like the other guys that I mentioned earlier. This was like just his own. And once again, he distributed it completely himself. Around this time, Eugene Henley, known as Big U, was released from prison. He was... Um, he and a friend had attempted to rob an undercover cop posing as a drug dealer. Big U was part of the same gang as Nipsey, the Rolling Sixties Crips, and he decided to start managing Nipsey along with Steve LaBelle, who was already established in the music industry. He had the connections necessary to kind of take the next step. Nipsey was then able to start branching out from the community where he already had you know, a decent following and it got him the chance to be featured on a Tupac tribute album called Pox Life. And right, nice. yeah, right after that, all of his studio equipment and everything that he'd been working on at that point was lost. It was taken by the police after a raid on Black Sam's home for selling bootleg DVDs. So typical. I know. Um, he got in trouble for, Nipsey, he got in trouble for having a gun. Um, Black Sam was put in jail as a result of the raid. And ironically, Nipsey had been, you know, working legitimately at the time, like just on music and spending his spare time writing and recording. And because of losing all of his stuff, it was such a setback that he had to turn back to the streets to pay his legal fees and also start buying his equipment again. That sucks. Like I know. I like I get it, like piracy, whatever, but like bootleg DVDs. I know. The profits made from them do not equal recording studio equipment. Like, that's bullshit. Right. And, you know, it. it's weird that they kept it and just, like, never gave him any. Like, you think it, it wouldn't be that hard to just say, like, hey, can I download this stuff that I already have done? But, you know, I guess they just don't make those exceptions. That's such bullshit. Not that I agree. Time. Sorry, I'm just like, oh, no, I'm like, angry for him. Like, man, like, this kid's been hustling since he was, like, so young. Yeah. To try to, like, get all of that stuff and then just to, ha- like, lose it in one go over some something <laughs> yeah. dumb. The DVDs. thing that you'll notice about him, though, is, like, every time one of these, like, something happens, though, he, like, doesn't let it stop him or, like, let him, you know, kind of turn bitter. He just keeps Absolutely. going and finds other ways yeah. to. I mean, we wouldn't be talking about him if, if he That's true. gave up. Yeah, he he sounds like a really determined dude. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he was super smart and just, you know, wanted to put the work in, wanted to put the effort in to get, you know, where he was. He had a chance meeting with rapper The Game after he drove through Nipsey's neighborhood. He gave him one of his mixtapes and then was invited to come to the studio um, with Big U and Steve LaBelle. And then randomly, actor and director Ving Rhames came across Nipsey's music on one of his daughter's iPods and asked him to star in the movie I Tried, which was about Bone Thugs and Harmony. Nice. Yeah, he was then um, signed by Johnny Shipes in the Cinematic Music Group. He was arrested soon after. Allegations were made by an underage girl. And the way that it was presented, this young girl was hanging out with a bunch of guys in the neighborhood, and some of them were older, and some of them you know, were around the same age as her. And she was 
like drinking and doing drugs and she was taking pictures of herself in a thong with other people. And they said like from the story, and it seems like multiple accounts and I'm not like putting down this girl's testimony at all. Like don't think I'm saying that, but it seems like these pictures were taken in like a fun way. And then her mother saw them and, you know, got really upset because Mm -hmm. some of these guys in the pictures were definitely old, but he ended up spending 50 days in jail until he was able to fight the case from the money that he got, you know, for signing the record deal. But he was found innocent in the case, which, you know, that's good. You don't want to hear about somebody, you know, have being involved with the underage girl in any sort of way. Right. Yeah. But the cinematic music music group was part of Epic, Sony, and he signed with them in um, November of 2007. He, he'd previously had trouble holding attention from labels due to his gang affiliation. His first mixtape, while, you know, after being signed, was released in 2008 called Bullets Ain't Got No Name, Volume 1. He started shooting music videos, getting radio play, and attending award shows, you know, which just helps him get out there. His daughter, Imani, was born, and then he... I like that name. Did you say Imani? Yeah, isn't that pretty? That is really pretty. Yeah, I thought so, too. And he re- he also released his second mixtape soon after called Bullets Ain't Got No Name, Volume 2. He began working on his debut album, which was supposed to be called South Central State of Mind. Um, Black Sam and neighborhood friend Fats, they started selling T-shirts across the street from the, you know, the Crenshaw Slauson area. Yeah. Um, until police, they they kept shutting him down several times. And one of the police officers actually suggested, and I don't think it was supposed to be like in a, like he wasn't really trying to help him, but it ended up helping him. He told them, you know, just just run a spot and start selling the T-shirts legitimately. So they did that. And Nipsey, was, he invested in that company it's called Sloss and Tees. And it's around the area, which we'll talk about well eventually, where his clothing business with his brother called Marathon Clothing is going to you know, be set. He ran into all kinds of delays with his album and instead released his third mixtape for the Bullets Ain't Got No Name series in 2009. After Epic ran into some financial problems and lots of staff was let go, Nipsey was able to negotiate a deal to start his own label under Epic called All Money and Records. In 2010, he starred in another movie called Wrath of Cain. Yeah, after his, his first single released, underperformed on the charts, the label didn't agree on the future of his music, and he was able to cut ties and go completely independent. In 2010, he released There Goes the Neighborhood mixtape with the Slauson Boys, he also put out his own mixtape called The Marathon. And early in 2011, he was involved in a shooting and a police officer was present. Allegedly, he and his previous manager, Big U, who had cut ties, and I don't know the specifics on how that happened, were arguing by a gas station and police were called after the fight turned physical. Samuel, his brother, fired a gun into the air to stop the argument and police on the scene then shot at his brother, missed him, Nobody was hurt, luckily, but Nipsey, Samuel, and Big U, along with two others, were all arrested. Samuel went back to... Yeah. Glad nobody was hurt. Samuel went back to jail, even though um, Nipsey was let go. His clothing line, unfortunately, went under at that time. He... Nipsey started touring heavily, even overseas, and in 2011, he put out mixtape The Marathon Continues, 
And he almost signed with Rick Ross's Maybach Music Group, which we've talked about Rick Ross a few times on mm-hmm. on here already. But he ultimately decided against it because while it would further his career, he wanted to build up all the people that were working within the team and didn't want to leave them behind. So he decided to, you know, kind of stay doing what he was doing. He I like that. Like I know that DIY mentality of it. Like, no. My friends are talented too. Like, let's keep them on board. That's pretty dope. I agree. Yeah, you'll notice a lot from what he does. He like really wants to try to improve his neighborhood and the area around it, wants to make money for some of these people, especially friends and acquaintances that had been released from jail and weren't getting a second chance anywhere else. And well, and even like with the clothing line, like, hey, why don't you do this legit? And they're like, okay, like, yeah, a like, great like, idea. <laughs> He did work on the self-made two compilation album with Rick Ross, though, even though he decided not to sign with them, it was still like a very friendly situation. When Samuel was released from jail, he reopened the clothing store in another shop in the same complex. And Nipsey also opened a store in the complex called Wireless Connection. He released leftover tracks on a mixtape called Extra Laps, which is still part of his marathon series. I like how he has like different series within like these groups of mixtapes. I I like that whole idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah, in 2013, he planned to release his third mixtape in the Marathon series, but instead decided to try again to release his debut album and change the name to Victory Lap instead of um, the original name, which was South Central State of Mind. He released, uh, in the the, meantime, he released his Crenshaw mixtape, and this was kind of cool. He... Planned to release a thousand physical copies and sell them for a hundred dollars a piece, which was highly criticized at the time because people were like, "Who does this guy think he is?" Like, you know, charging a bunch of money from these. But it's kind of a, you know, I think it's a, a good idea. It was smart. Like, you can t- find people to. Ten years later, Wu Tang released one album and sold it for I'm, like a million dollars. We were going to talk about that, yeah. But all copies were purchased, and he set up a little pop up show, and they sold that night. And Jay Z even purchased a hundred copies, which. You know, he ended he up them all and then resold not all them. of them because there, there was a there was a hundred copies. Yeah, um, but he made a hundred thousand dollars in one night, which you know that probably helps so much with all of his projects. He, That's awesome. Yeah, as a result, he met actress and model and TV personality Lauren London. She was actually trying to get a hold of one of the mixtapes and sent him an Instagram message. She had a child with rapper Lil Wayne from a prior relationship, and she and Nipsey began dating. He and his clothing line collaborated with an L.A. chain called Fat Burger after they owned a restaurant in the, the Crenshaw district. Fat Burger. <laughs> yeah, but they made some, you know, some pretty interesting T-shirts, and it sounded like you know, he was just, once again, trying to encourage people to open up businesses in that, that area. I love that. Like, that yeah. whole mentality is so positive. Oh, yeah. I love that. He still wasn't able to release his album, but on New Year's Eve, he released another mixtape called Mailbox Money. He tried instead this time to release 100 copies for $1,000 each, which didn't work as well. <laughs> it took him two years to sell all the copies, but he eventually did. And then, you know, I put in my notes, even though you mentioned it, the story about right. Wu-Tang, where they released an exclusive album... It was called Once Upon a Time in Shellin, I think. Something like that. Yeah, and they ended up selling it for, it's rumored to be $2 million, but it might be slightly less. And then they were saying that even Quentin yeah, Tarantino was, was considering buying it for $5 million. But nice. yeah, part of the deal with it, 
the person originally, this was like the first negotiation, they weren't able to do anything with the music for, was it 88 years? I think something like that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that, but it, I, I know a lot of it changed towards the end and specifics weren't really released, but kind of a cool idea. I think the idea was that whoever bought it could do whatever they wanted with it. They could give it away for free on the internet. They could destroy yeah. it. Whatever they wanted to do it was just an interesting it really idea was. to see what would happen. A social experiment, really. Yeah. I um, love that. Me too. Around this time, he worked with YG and 50 Cent and also put out the song Fuck Donald Trump with YG. And oh, FTP. Yeah. Uh, I love this. I'd never yeah. heard it before researching this. Oh, oh I didn't listen to like, it. I didn't realize that he was on that track. Like, no, yeah. that song is like the anthem this summer. Like, yeah. <laughs> every time we see a Trump rally, it was like, Makes sense. It was like yeah. if you're like, mm, not for me, uh, it would be customary to put that song on and yeah. start blaming it as you're driving by. Yeah. Josh, you <laughs> might know, remember. Like the, first, the first line of it is like, I like white folks. I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Josh, you might like this. Do you remember that show on Netflix, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? It was like the kind of musical comedy. Oh, that was, that was really good, yeah. Yeah, Nipsey's featured in the pilot. Oh. You know when she's doing that, it's like sexy getting ready song, and yeah. it shows like all the stuff that girls do to try to get ready in like a comical way. And it shows him, because he's like trying to, you know, rap with her, and then he sees all the stuff that she's doing, and he's like, I got to go apologize to some women. <laughs> 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 like after seeing all the stuff that they go through. That's a really cute little part. In 2016, he released the mixtape Slauson Boys 2 and his second child, first with girlfriend Lauren London, a boy named Cross was born. He also opened a store in the same complex called Elite Human Hair, which is near the, the t-shirt shop. What kind of shop was that? Um, sold Wing hair. shop? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for like extensions and weaves and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that's what I thought it was. I don't know if I wasn't any of the sure. listeners knew that, but... Yeah. Fat the, burger? Is it market. like a Whataburger? I don't know. No, what? it was, I think it was a clothing that, line, wasn't it? No, Fat Burger was an actual, like, a burger shop. Oh, it was? Oh, yeah. perfect. That's what I thought it was, but I was like, maybe it was like a giant, I don't know, like FUBU or something. No, and he just, you know, they Fat just burger. worked on the, like, the uniforms for the, the employees. And, you know, sometimes people go into these chains and they want to buy shirts to say, like, oh, I was here. So they were just, you know, more attractive oh, t-shirts. Gotcha. Yeah. That's cool. Love that. Yeah. He invested in several other businesses in 2017. Um, one was like a cryptocurrency company and then with a weed company. He also opened up a seafood restaurant called The Fish Shack and invested money in a roller rink called World on Wheels at a location that was previously destroyed by the LA riots. He wanted to create a safe place for kids in the neighborhood to hang out and you know, not have to worry about being like out on the streets. And then he officially opened Marathon Clothing. It was a remodel of the previous t-shirt business that his brother and par um, partner Fats had um, opened. And the cool thing was with this, and this was before like Apple kind of used this whole idea, but all products contained tags that led to music. And it was songs that were released like only there before, like days before they were released on any other platform. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. That's, good That's idea. awesome. Yeah. Just and, kind of like little Easter eggs and everything. Oh yeah. The guy was just like full of good ideas and you know, it seems like instead of just like having these ideas and sitting on them, he tried to pursue a lot of them just to see what would happen at least. Not uh, it sounds like the dude's like super smart. Yes. Like, like he's a got the drive, but then 
B, he's just like always hustling, like always trying to get the next thing going. And I just think that's, and I love that he's like investing in his community. Me too. Cause I feel like so many people will blow up and then they'll be like, I don't know any of you. And like, you know, forget where they came from. And it sounds like he's yeah. like spent his whole life, like trying to make his world a better place. Yeah. It definitely is apparent that that was, you know, one of his goals. And Josh, you even mentioned, you know, from like the style of his lyrics, that you could tell that he he was extremely intelligent. Oh, like you yeah, were saying, yeah, like yeah. they just in what? How were you saying? Because I I forget. Um, I mean, the early stuff sounded more like just gangsta, like rolling around, driving in a Cadillac or whatever, Escalade. But the later stuff, it's really deep and kind of introspective, and the, I don't know that you can just hear the talent, like just the raw lyrical talent. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, not too long after business partner Fats was murdered, he was shot while working as a security guard at a marijuana dispensary. Nipsey signed with Atlantic Records in 2017 and finally, you know, was like, hey, I got to get this album Victory Lap released. Uh Oh, he released Project No Pressure with artist Bino and... The cool thing is, with, like the plans for his debut album, he was gonna own all the rights to his music, which is really smart, you know, to kind of, you know, start going out there, or, you know, start that way and not just, you know, release something prematurely just for the, you know, for the money and to get it out. And then finally in 2018, it was out. And it's funny because, you know, unintentionally, he had the whole marathon theme for everything. And it seems like that the whole story about getting this record out because, you know, he kind of kept going with it and didn't ever like get discouraged with all the setbacks. And, you know, it finally worked out. It debuted at number four and, you know, got great reception critically. He opened up a co-workspace called Vector in the Crenshaw district with partner David Gross. And this was set up so people had a quiet professional space where they had equipment like computers, printers, all types of things that they needed to work and further their careers. And one of the plans to, you know, for the, these spots specifically was to try to get the youth in these communities, which are, you know, underserved communities, access to equipment early on that they might not be able to. So then they could in the future get jobs in the tech industry. That's so awesome because, like, this is also the same dude that, like, had to read books and learn how to build his own computer. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. It all just, like, ties together. Yeah. For sure. Another fish restaurant was opened in the area, and it was just, it was called Baba Leo's, and it was, like, a healthier version of the fish shack. Um, he opened up a barber shop called Steve's Barbershop and then planned a collaboration with Puma, the marathon clothing, not Nipsey specifically, Um to be released in 2019, which included clothing, accessories, and shoes. And then he also released Marathon Water. Um, His album was nominated for Best Rap Album in 2018, which was actually won by rapper Cardi B. He began working on his new album in 2019, and he was able to purchase the whole strip mall that housed several of his businesses um, with his brother Samuel and David Gross, his partner for The Vector Project. And he was 33 years old at the time. On March 31st, 2019, he went to his clothing store to help out a friend that was just released from prison. And this was at 3.30 p.m. He was shot multiple times and two other people nearby were as well. As he laid on the ground bleeding, he told the gunman, you got me, but the gunman 
proceeded. He it was a weird situation because you can see the video online, sadly, but the guy he like goes and shoots him a couple times, then he goes back to his car, and then he comes back, shoots him again, and then goes back to his car, then goes back, shoots him again, and I think this is when he said that that you know you got me, and then he proceeds to kick him in the head hmm. while he's down. That fucking sucks. I know it, it. This whole thing is just super ridiculously sad, depressing, and like it just sucks. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like one of those like, situations where like also, that's, I mean, it's like, this is going to sound fucked up and I'm completely aware of that, yeah. but that's like almost like cartoonish. Like you literally like go and shoot somebody, you go back to your car and you go back and shoot them again and then you go back to your car and then you go and shoot them again and it hurt them while they're already shot. Like, fuck that guy. I no. completely agree. <laughs> And it's like one of those situations where like the person definitely made the the world a worse place by like killing this guy and stopping like all the stuff that he was working on. Right. Um, which really sucks. So, I mean, he like her, everybody in the neighborhood in the process and not just this guy and his family and all, you know, his fans. Yeah. I mean, it this dude sucks. was like straight up like everyone, it sounds like everyone that he was involved with was like people from his neighborhood and then he was just like funding everybody's dreams and shit. Yeah. And, you know, giving people the opportunity to better themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just totally. like he, you know, was paying for all his friends to do stuff. No, he was like, you know, finding ways to get them to like make the money themselves, which is really cool. His sadly, his brother, which I, I mean, I guess sadly, but also maybe kind of a good thing. I mean, maybe some sort of comfort in the situation, but his brother made it to the scene before he passed and performed CPR until the paramedics got there. And he said he was still talking at this point. When the paramedics, paramedics lifted him up, they noticed that one of the bullets had pierced the back of his head. He was pronounced dead within the hour. And a video of the shooting hit the news pretty early on and, the sus- and they identified the suspect as Eric Holder Jr., and he was arrested within two days. 29-year-old guy. He's still awaiting his trial at this point. His date has been delayed several times due to COVID. He is being charged with murder, two counts of attempted murder, assault with a firearm, possession of a firearm by a felon, and he's being held in solitary confinement. Nipsey was shot at least 10 times in the torso and head, according to the autopsy. His the bullets struck his lungs, severed his spine, and um, penetrated the top of his scalp. Damn. I know. Yeah, just like major overkill in this situation. I hate it. I that's, know. That's so rough. It is. Just super depressing. His funeral was held at the Staples Center in L.A., and the only other music icon who had a funeral at Staples Center was actually Michael Jackson. So it's kind of showing like in LA, like how much of a following this guy had. Well, yeah. I mean, like this is like the dude that's like putting everything back into his community. Like, of course, if I was from his neighborhood, I would be like devastated. (laughs) Oh yeah. They had people gathering to the area, you know, on Slauson and Crenshaw where the shopping center where he was shot in front of and, you know, just kind of all like crying and leaving flowers and all sorts of stuff. They were just devastated. It was super sad. The funeral was live streamed and even Barack Obama wrote a letter to be read at the funeral. There were a lot of people that held political positions in the area too that were just devastated by this. And there's a press conference where they talk about the murder and they talk about a few other murders in the area around the time and a couple people speak. And it's actually really touching just to show how like high up the respect level went for this guy. 
After the funeral, he was taken on a final lap around the neighborhood in L.A. that he invested in and tried to lift up. lap. Yes, before finally being laid to rest in the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Southern California. The plaza where, um, it's like the, the shopping center where his businesses were held and he, you know, he owned, it's going to, that intersection is now going to be named the Nipsey Hustle Square. Oh, cool. But I think it's, it's the Ermius Nipsey Hustle Askadam Square. As we go through these theories, they just get weirder and weirder. I'm just going to warn everybody. And I don't, I'm not trying to say some of these like in a disrespectful way. I'm just talking about all the things that people have said since, you know, his murder. So the first theory, Eric Holder, who has pled not guilty, was the murderer. And according to transcripts ordered released by the judge in the case, Nipsey had accused Holder of being a snitch a week before the shooting at a barbershop. And then, you know, in front of the building that day, even though in the footage, it shows him walk up and Nipsey shakes his hand and then he starts shooting him. So, I mean, maybe he decided to shake the hand of the guy. There was a tweet that he released and it was actually the last tweet that Nipsey released before he passed away that was talking about the strength of his enemies. And I I mean, I don't know if he was referring to this guy. It could have been, you know, many other things, Mm but just kind of kind of crazy that right after this guy that maybe he accused of snitching killed him. It was rumored that Eric Holder was working with the LAPD and that could have been, you know, the motive for this murder or just jealousy. You know, sometimes people don't like when, if they think that they have talent in an area that someone else is getting more recognition than they are. Is he like a rapper or anything or not? I don't know that. I couldn't find a ton about this guy. Right before he did take, Nipsey did take a picture with the suspect's girlfriend. You know, maybe that had something to do with it too. You never know. They do, it was mentioned in, you know, a bunch of situations that they do think that the, you know, excessive shooting and kicking him afterwards does maybe make it a little bit personal. Uh, yeah, I, I would yeah. definitely say that seems pretty personal. <laughs> so maybe not so much of like a hired hit in that situation. Earlier that day, a neighbor of Eric Holder was assaulted by him. Um, the guy was, Eric was kind of freaking out and said that the guy had sold him some bad drugs and, you know, just start hitting him in the back of the head with the gun that he actually possibly used to kill Nipsey. Wow. Yeah. Odd thing that I did notice that months after this happened, and I don't know if this is like a common thing that happens after a murder, you know, but that whole complex was like gated off by the police and they wouldn't let people in there. And, you know, that just hurts all the businesses in that Right, right. It was just really strange. I don't know. That's one thing I will mention. A second option, the LAPD. It's thought that the LAPD hired Eric Holder to murder Nipsey Hussle. The rumor is that they didn't want him to continue to improve and empower the individuals in his neighborhood and that it could affect them making money off of, you know, these arrests in the future. Hmm. Yeah, there were eight other murders within, like, the the six months leading up to his death. So it was, I mean, there were crimes going on in the neighborhood. I don't know if I think that this is a very strong theory. Mm, I don't but think just, so, but. Yeah, but. No, cops aren't super popular this year, but I don't think they orchestrated yeah. that. I don't, I don't know. It is strange, though, that the guy was possibly working with the LAP that, that could have had absolutely nothing to do with him shooting him. It could have been, yeah. you know, completely separate, but that that is odd that maybe he was. Yeah, if that guy was like, if, if that guy was like an informant, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that could that could definitely be motivation because, like, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you're from yeah. or who you are. Everyone has heard the phrase "snitches get stitches." You know what yeah. I mean? So very true. If, if he had added him as a snitch, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a pretty serious allegation. Yeah, and in, in, in so many circles. And something that I don't understand but was talked about was it was strange for Eric, who was a lower level in the same gang as Nipsey, that he would murder someone that was higher up. Because they, you know, it was just saying that that wasn't something that usually happened. But then this, a lot of these theories kind of connect if you, or, you know, can they overlap in a lot of ways. The next theory is that the U.S. government was, you know, they hired Eric Holder to do it. So the U.S. government, they do, which, you know, kind of is weird. They do have a, a history of following surveying musicians due to immense influence they have over the youth of the U.S. The CIA even tried to keep the Rolling Stones out of the U.S. by setting them up. Um, they set up a drug bust in the U.K., actually, with a Canadian drug dealer called the Acid King. Nipsey was rumored to be a target. Because well, I mean, like, okay, so I don't know if you guys, like, what. When was he murdered? Was it this summer? It was in 2019 in March. 2019. Okay. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if you guys understand how, like, how far that song that he has, like the FDT. Oh, I know. <laughs> like that reach is far. So yeah. I don't know. Like that's, that's an interesting conspiracy. I'm not giving it validity or not. No, I agree with that because, that. you know, that really could affect the vote. Or how yeah, a lot of his it's definitely been used in fans like, uh, a lot of videos against Trump. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the it is the anti-Trump theme song. Yeah, and you know when it comes down to the election, you know specific communities are targeted by you know people. They try to win them over to get more votes, and that you know that definitely could. If have that been doesn't something. work, they kill them. Yeah, crazier things have happened. I know. Right? I completely agree with that. But yeah, oh yeah, um, it says that he was a target because of the empowering messages that he had in his music. He promoted positivity, improving yourself, coming up with entrepreneurial ideas, and that the government doesn't really want the black community to improve themselves, that, you know, they want to keep them reliant on the government. Um, Yeah, I mean, and that's like a whole thing. Like, if you've done any research about, like, why everybody was marching this summer, you know, I mean, like, those are really big talking points, yeah, that's a whole giant other yeah. issue that. But yeah, it you know his programs that were designed to improve the community and bring, you know, options to the youth that they wouldn't normally have. Yeah, it's just such a tragedy. Like I'm like really bummed out about this one because it just oh, sounds. yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, I remember when I first read about this, like back before I really knew much about the guy or knew all this crazy stuff that came up afterwards. I thought it was incredibly sad, you know, just because you're seeing this young, talented person that is doing good with his popularity being killed right? so young. I mean, like, and people will probably always make the argument, well, he was involved in gangs, and it's like, you know, like, that that, that shouldn't be a death sentence. I agree that with that. That shouldn't mean that he right. doesn't get justice, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I love what he was doing with, with his success. Me too. Like, it sounds like he was really doing great things for his neighborhood. He was. The day after his murder, he had a big meeting planned with the LAPD 
and Jay-Z's Rock Nation to discuss combating gang violence in the area. And he was trying to facilitate truces with rival gangs in the area just to cut down on the violence and keep, you know, a lot of the unnecessary deaths from happening. So he got murdered the day before he was supposed to meet with the LAPD to talk about Yes. Like some truces for the Mm. gang. Yeah, which is really odd. And it was tweeted about the day before. So it's not like it was like a private meeting that was planned. It was released publicly. And this part of, you know, this conspiracy, you know, it's talked about in more than just this conspiracy that the government floods the streets with drugs through the gangs to make money and that the violence also keeps the community down. And it also, you know, I mean, a lot of people die because of of the, you know, the violence that happens. And that was one of the things that if he did somehow make this truce and start to improve the conditions of the streets around that area, it really could dip into the pockets of a lot of people that were probably making money and, you know, getting the influence that they needed out of this so right so it sounds like a lot of like i mean even though this guy was like doing a lot of really good shit it sounds like there was definitely a handful of people with motive oh yeah definitely i mean and then you know the next theory is that his own gang the rolling 60s crips they um it's saying you know they had low-level member eric holder kill nipsey because he was you know taking his own path that there may have been jealousy and that even the truce was against what like they wanted. So, you know, like I said, some of these are kind of weak. I don't think that this there's a really strong argument there. Um, next theory is Big U, his former manager, Eugene Henley. And, you know, once again, I don't know how they parted officially, but we do know about the incident in 2011 where, you know, they got into a physical altercation and that they, you know, were arrested as a result. Big U has stated in several interviews that he made Nipsey everything that he was and that he considered Nipsey ungrateful and felt slighted in some, you know, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, yeah, I, was, I, I don't see that as enough reason for murder, though. Yeah, murder I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, like I said, a lot of these overlap. It's like, um, you know, Eric Holder, he was part of the gang. Big U was part of the gang. Um, the LAPD was working with Eric Holder, possibly. So it's weird how... You know, it's just kind of confusing. Like, it it gets really murky trying to separate some of these because a lot of the same people keep popping up. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see this go to trial and see what kind of comes out about it. Because, like, if he was an informant, like, that will come out. Does it always? I don't know. I think sometimes that they keep that protected still. I could just be. I feel like that would go into, like, like, a plea deal, though, of leniency. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could. I hope if he was that, I mean, that is known. The next theory is Big Pharma. You know, and there have always been rumors. Yeah. <laughs> there have always been rumors surrounding the strange deaths of holistic doctors and healers. And, you know, sometimes mysterious ac- accidents happen to these people, which I, I've, I've heard a lot about. There was a guy, a Chinese doctor that put out a couple books that I read and he was murdered mysteriously along with his family back a couple of years ago. And I remember that's kind of when I first heard that some of these people were, you know, dying very mysteriously. But Nipsey was, you know, one of his plans for the future was to start working more in the, the movie business and specifically wanted to work on documentaries. So he was working on his first documentary, which was going to be about the 1985 trial of Dr. Seabee, mm-hmm. who was a holistic healer. And he was, you know, 
this trial he was fighting because they said that he'd made false allegations and you know was practicing without a license because he advertised in print, like in magazines and newspapers, that he could heal people that were suffering with diabetes, HIV, sickle cell, cancers. And it's a really interesting story because Dr. CB actually defended himself and won. Um, wow. Yeah, and he was able to provide evidence that like some yeah, of these people that he treated. results of people that he treated with their HIV test before and after. And it was like hundreds of people. Yeah, well, it was 77 people that he cured of oh, HIV. Was it 77? Yes. It was, all, it was more than like two. It's a lot. Oh, That's yeah. That's insane. That sounds, I've never even heard of that. That's incredible. Exactly. I have, because I, um, there's a lady on Instagram who her, you know, her page is called Alkaline Vegan Mommy, and she follows like the diet of him and puts out cookbooks. And I actually own one of her cookbooks because they're really good meals, but it's really, I mean, it's just a diet. And, you know, taking some herbs, it's a really simple lifestyle change that, you know, pretty much anybody could do if they, you know, if they want to invest in. So, you know, I could see where, you know, this would, you know, definitely anger big pharma, but you don't hear about Dr. CB. You don't hear about his trial. You don't hear about the patients. (laughs) Right. And he died very mysteriously. He was killed in Honduras while he was in custody and they said he died of pneumonia and he was like a very, very, very healthy man. Yeah. Like even in his seventies, it there's you know video footage of him like jumping, landing on his knees, and then like jumping back up. Like the guy was in great shape. And he even treated Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC. Oh. He treated Dead. Michael Jackson for a while. Yeah, um, which that's another thing. You know, there's so much weird stuff about her death. And she was actually in Honduras going to see Dr. CB at the oh. time, which is very, very, very strange. Well, maybe we should do an episode about that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I would really like to. But yeah, luckily, Nick Cannon is going to still finish and release this cool. documentary since Nipsey isn't able to do that. That's so, you know, awesome. So, yeah, so everybody you know around Nick Cannon protect him for the time being. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Okay, and then this is where it gets really ridiculous. But, I mean, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's not, and I just don't understand. Nipsey was rumored to be a Freemason, and his death was part of a Freemason ritual. Some of his tattoos and poses and pictures were said to be proof of this conspiracy. The arrowhead, which showed up in um, several of his tattoos, and the anchor. He also put his left foot forward in several poses for, you know, magazine covers and even sometimes in videos. And then one of his famous tattoos, which was, you know, the two racing flags on his neck, they said, you know, was typical Freemason imagery. And it showed, they showed a bunch of like the different places where they meet and even some of, you know, drawings from old books about Freemasons. And they do have like checkered floors. So, I mean, that's a reach there, but, you know, worth mentioning, I I guess. But uh, I'm just going to put this out there. Like, uh, people that are already into those conspiracies can literally find codes in absolutely anything. Yeah, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. Like, if you search hard enough, you can make any lines connect. So Yeah. And it says that he knew that his death was happening, which there's a lot of proof that he, you know, had several unfinished projects that he was working on. So I don't think that that's what he definitely didn't have things tied up. And they said that he was fine with it because he considered heaven to be paradise. And now he's worshipped as a god as a result of the ritual death. Um, yeah, 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 that one I think is is silly. Oh, and even that his murder took place on a handicapped spot in the parking lot was considered proof of this because, you know, part of the the wheel part of the symbol 
could be considered part of, you know, the, the imagery involved with the Freemasons. I'm sorry. That one, that one's just like compared to every other, uh, theory on like who killed him and why, like that one just sounds batshit. Yeah. This one (laughs) and the next one are definitely the weakest. And then this one, you know, definitely probably the worst. I like the crazy ones. Yeah. But they're entertaining for sure. I'm just saying like interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. So the next one is the, the Illuminati. Of course. Um, <laughs> Freemasons, then you, know, you have to go to kills. Illuminati. And it says either, you know, his messages were against their plans or even his involvement with the Dr. CB documentary because, you know, rumored uh, or it's rumored that a lot of people involved with Big Pharma are also part of the Illuminati. But they said that the proof of this is that he was 33 years old and he was killed in March, which was third month, 31st at 330 that that was a sign to let everyone know that they were responsible for this death. And I don't really know the significance of the threes with the Illuminati, and I didn't look into it because I didn't really want to. Kendra, <laughs> okay. do you know anything about this? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if any of us... I feel a- like once it gets to like a certain level, like you kind of cross the, the anti-Semitic line of no return, and I try not to fuck with that stuff. Yeah. Right. There, was, there was this video that you know supposedly shows proof that the Illuminati had him killed and they showed video footage that I'm not even sure was actually Nipsey talking. It could have been him when he was really young and didn't have a lot of his tattoos and stuff yet, but the guy just didn't completely look like him. He looked more like Snoop (laughs) actually. And some of the facial features were a little different. So I, I wasn't even convinced that this was Nipsey talking and they were saying like, Oh, the, you know, these, what was said in this video got him on their radar. And I didn't watch all of the video cause it was no, we're on the so radar. silly. I know maybe we are. I know. Like watch me, like me talking shit about all these, like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. bigger conspiracies. Like, and if I come up missing, I, know. I was wrong. <laughs> See, but don't they want us to kind of talk about it in like a way that we think it's ridiculous because then we keep people in That's the, true. We're kind know. of poking fun at it. Yeah. But, so know. maybe they'll be happy with us. Maybe we're part of it. Maybe, maybe I am part of the Illuminati. I just yeah. didn't know it. Yeah, it's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm part of it. I honestly yeah. don't want to know. And obviously, if I'm part of it, I think I've got everyone convinced I'm not. So yeah. you're doing a really <laughs> well, good job. We're on the clear here. <laughs> yeah, and to end on a positive, ap- after Nipsey's death, Steve Gross, his business partner from you know the Vector Project, and Nipsey's brother, Samuel, are still trying to continue his legacy. He'd planned on creating a high-rise building in the space where the complex, you know, that was the complex he owned. And Marathon Clothing Store was going to be the whole bottom floor, and they were going to have housing and all kinds of stuff, you know, and all of his businesses. everywhere. Yeah, they wanted to build a huge museum in the area and, you know, kind of bring culture to the area as well. Nipsey and David also planned to open a resort in Las Vegas called, um, you know, in... Richard Branson was actually part of this deal too, but it was going to be called the Virgin Las Vegas and it was going to be announced in 2020. That project or, you know, what's going to happen to it is still kind of unknown at this point. Very cool. The marathon collaboration with Puma was released shortly after his death and made $10 million. Puma decided, yeah, I mean, it's so sad that unfortunately sometimes this stuff after people die, it, you know, people go nuts and, and spend a lot of money on it. But Puma donated 100% of the proceeds to a charity created by Nipsey's family called the Neighborhood Nip Foundation. I and love that. <laughs> yeah. Did you say the Neighborhood Nip? That's yes. Good. I just think it's funny because Nip, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's great. Yeah, the foundation was set up to provide programs and support to young people in the neighborhood who want to pursue careers in music. 
And this charity is also backed by Atlantic Records. There are beautiful murals dedicated to the rapper all over the Crenshaw district. I don't know if you guys have seen any of these online, but I mean, they're actually very impressive. Cool. Yeah. A marathon book club was started and the books include self-help books, cult classics and books by black authors. And he was recognized at the 2020 Grammys by YG, DJ Khaled, um, John Legend, Meek Mill. And, you know, there were a couple other people involved too. They gave a tribute to honor the late artist and then a Netflix documentary is in the work works about his life. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. He deserves it. He does. I think it's just a bummer that he didn't, he's not going to get to put any more music. Cause I know, I know. his next album just would have been like huge. Cause I oh, think definitely. He, was, he was just about to blow up. He hadn't even really like blown up yet. In my opinion. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I don't know how it's called name yet, but like, it sounds, right. yeah, you're right. Like every, it seems like he was just building and building and building and building. Right. Yeah. I knew who he was before, you know, any of this happened because I remember right. seeing his face. He was in like a, like a Beats headphones ad. Yeah. The first I time I'd heard of him is because he was hit an entrepreneur, not because of his music. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I remember actually seeing his face in an ad first and I was like, oh, who's that yeah. guy? Because he has a very distinct face. Like, he, yeah. he was a good-looking guy. Yeah. He looked a little bit like Snoop and more and just that he was, like, very tall and thin. But he had, like, a very interesting face. And he had, like, a signature beard. And I don't know. Yeah. That's and cool it. tattoos. But do you guys have a theory that you buy more than any other? I think he probably, like, what's that? Eric Johnson? Eric Holder. Eric Holder. I think he just grabbed that girl's ass at a party and then the guy got pissed and shot him. I don't think that, that that happened about like him grabbing the girl's ass. He was in a very committed whatever. relationship and it seems like he was very respectful with women. Yeah. Um, but he did take a photo with her right before and it could have angered that guy, especially if you know he had prior, you know, in a prior situation accused him of being a snitch or even right after that. Yeah. So maybe it was That's a combination what of the I two. Think. I don't think it was like a giant conspiracy, but well, yeah. like, if that, if that Eric dude, like, I don't know what his relationship was like, but like, I mean, there's so many murders out there that involve, yeah. like, maybe a shitty controlling relationship or whatever. And then, yeah, the dude just snaps. Yep. Yeah. It's so, I mean, the fact that he got into a fight with the neighbor earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, he was over drugs, it, too. So, like maybe I was kind of unhinged, maybe from drugs or maybe right. from whatever. And, like, people in that state can make something out of nothing. So, the, I think that's what the tragedy of it is. Is like me personally, I it's it definitely too many crime shows. Like I think it's probably over the girl, honestly. It could and, have been. Um, I do. I tend to lean a little bit more towards um, you know him possibly being outed as an informant for the LAPD. Because I mean, yeah. that could have. Yeah, I mean that's a good. That's a better right. motive. Yeah, but I mean yeah. that could have contributed the girlfriend situation. Or maybe that had nothing to do with it. Yeah, maybe. I do think it's really strange. I, you know, I looked on Wikipedia and it's not accurate, so you just don't know. But um, it looks like his clothing store has been closed since it happened. It hasn't opened back up. And it's weird that they kept the area, the LAPD kept the area locked up for so long afterwards. So while I do think that it really was just Eric Holder and possibly being outed as a snitch, I'm not completely discounting the fact that the LAPD maybe had something to do with it too. Yeah. I mean, especially like 
since he always did have the gang affiliation, mm-hmm. I'm sure that could definitely rub some people the wrong way. Like, yeah. seeing someone, like, you know, thriving, coming from that. But I don't know. I mean, not the biggest fan of, uh, <laughs> of the police, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Same. I watched two really good documentaries on the subject. One was called, the, it was by Diverse Mentality documentary series and there's it's five parts but they're all pretty short and really gets to the point and they're just done really well and then another one was done by the bbc and it was called the mysterious murder of nipsey hustle both you can get on youtube yeah i mean the bbc's they're not putting out junk yeah the one version that you can find on youtube you can tell that they cut all of nipsey's music out so it's it's hard to watch but if you keep looking there's a shorter version and you can watch the the whole thing and it's it's um i thought it was good but yeah, other than that, um, I mean, that's where I got the majority of my information for this. And the little bit at the end about, you know, stuff that happened after, you know, projects, I did get that off Wikipedia. So while I do think the majority of it's true, that might not be completely 100% accurate. Yeah. 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 Oh, also, Kendra, I thought that you'd like this. Um, Baby Gooch was also the guy that named Nipsey. He gave him his nickname. Okay, of I, love did. That, I love that you've got Gooch. Yeah. And then you've got Nipsey. Yeah. Like, very, very genital heavy names. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, not quite, but like almost. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. That's that's pretty great. I agree. And I think... I like saying, I like saying Gooch. That's just such a fun <laughs> Yeah. <name>. It <laughs> is. <laughs> if there is a lizard person in this situation, I'm gonna say that it's Big U, his um, former manager. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's anyone yeah. else that had any like lizard vibes. Yeah. Not really. I mean, there weren't any specific, a lot of specific people we mentioned. Yeah. Although Eric Holder could have been an assassin for lizard people. Could have been. Yeah. Fair. Also sounds ridiculous, yeah. but. Doctor Doctor Sabi lizard person. <laughs> Okay, so I guess that concludes uh, today's episode of Our Music Podcast. Yeah, please, you know, like and review us on whatever platform you're using to listen. And if you have any suggestions, comments, find us on social media or email us at ourmusicodcast at gmail.com. Any time you like us on any platform, it does help us get out there. I did want to mention, I was pretty excited, and I was going to mention this back when we were talking about um, Nipsey's visit with his father to East Africa, but I I follow when we get new listeners, and it's it's kind of cool because what we use the platform that we use Podbean lets us track, and we get like a little flag pop up when somebody from a different area, and we actually have a few listeners in Africa now. Hello, yeah, from Angola, what? and I, I thought that was pretty cool. So hello, fans from Angola, you're appreciated. It's just kind of fun to watch like how far you you may like branch out. The internet, eh? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, though. Yeah, Yeah. it's really great. thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Kendra, are you... Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything fun that you're reading, watching, up to? Um, well, I... I'm reading the um, newest Brandon Sanderson book, uh, part of the Stormlight Archives series. Um, It's like... It's so freaking big. It's going to take me a minute um, just because I've been super busy with work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, So that's been fun, though. It's it's a really good one. I've been anticipating it. 
Um, as far as watching, I've been watching uh, the second season of His Dark Materials. Oh, yeah. Which is really fun. And uh, music-wise, I've been listening to a lot of sappy stuff lately because I have a girlfriend now. So Yeah. <laughs> That's been cute. Such um, as name one, name one sappy <laughs> band or something. Uh, like, you know, like that Angel Olsen song, like, Shut Up and Kiss Me, and just oh, stuff like, like that. Okay. Just, like, just being cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, what know. about you? What am I doing? Nothing. Just working. Josh has been working on a bunch of YouTube videos himself. He That's has a bunch of YouTube. videos out there of his music already yeah. on his, his YouTube page, and then he's been working on a couple other projects. That's Listening true. to anything good? Uh, No. Yeah. <laughs> have that time. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I've been working a ton, so I haven't been really like listening or watching anything interesting. Um, but I am trying to learn French and German at the same time, which is interesting. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But it's good for your brain to work on two languages at the same time. I might just I'm not so, learn I'm either of them English, well. I hate to say that, but it's just like <laughs> same here. Yeah, I need to relearn. Sometimes I have a hard time English. speaking. You can tell by you know, when I post on Instagram compared to when Kendra posts, <laughs> there's a big difference. <laughs> I've, I've been so bad about just keeping up on anything and everything lately. So same here. <laughs> it's hard around the holidays. It really is. Everybody's Absolutely. so busy. All right. Well, see you guys next week. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great day or evening or morning or whenever the hell you're listening to this. Yep. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.